0: You're listening to The Union Podcast. The Union is a movement dedicated to discovering God's design for sexuality, His hope for restoration, and the power of our destiny through Jesus. Please enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the union podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Brian and I'm the co-founder alongside my wife, Bonnie of the union movement. And uh, I'm so excited about today's podcast. We get to sit down with a close friend of mine, Joel Eklund, and uh, we talk about how God's plan for your life when it comes really to all spheres of life, but specifically to the area of sexuality, relationships, purity, all these types of things, really how, how God's plan is the best plan it's not just a good drake song i'm not a huge drake fan but it's just saying that it's not just a drake song it is a real thing for us and god's plan is good so i hope you like it thanks so much for tuning in today all right joel thanks so much for being on the podcast today man
1: dude thanks for having me man i'm uh, i'm I'm, i love what you guys are doing and uh, i'm really excited about uh about connecting and and just being able to Kind of share my heart so it's yeah. uh, it's it's really good to be here
0: well i know you're a busy guy and i know we were kind of battling some scheduling and stuff like that and and all this good stuff but thanks so much for making time to uh, for us man and um why don't you just tell us a little bit about about who you are about your family and um i know you and Lindsay. how long have you and Lindsay been married
1: man uh so my wife and i uh my wife and i've been married now for oh boy i hope i don't get this wrong 11 years there yeah, it is the uh, she actually is she just yeah. she just signaled me it's great uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we've been married for, uh, I know. Right. (laughs) And she's definitely not going to make me pay for it later. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've been married for 11 years. Um, uh, we met at at a summer camp, which, uh, is just about the most thing ever. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a fun story. Uh, I don't know if I really have time to, to, to say it, or maybe I just wait till the testimony time, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's been it's been a crazy journey. We actually uh, because of kind of a so just kind of a backstory. We when we got married, we're already planning on taking a, a position as youth pastors up uh, where we're still currently at, which is uh, is. Old Town, Idaho, I, I, I hesitate to use the term Old Town because Old Town's not much of a town. There's literally 190 <laughs> people that live at the city limits. Right. We live, uh, but it's like basically what it is, it's this tiny sliver of a town that's between a bigger town called Newport and another town called Priest River. And so it's like, anyway, so our church is in Old Town, but anyway, uh, I digress. We yeah. live in Newport. Yeah. Um, but sorry, going back to the story. So we basically... Initially, we were going to have about four months between when we got married to when we were going to be coming on staff. And uh, just for you know the listeners here, this this is my first and only full-time ministry position that I've ever had. Wow. so i was I was going from, you know, being a volunteer, you know, volunteer staff at a church in McCall, Idaho, to being full-time staff as a worship guy, you know, or uh, sorry, as a worship and youth guy. Um, while at the same time, uh, we were, you know, again, we were going to have four months or so in between when we were going to get married and take this position. But then the, one of the pastors that was on staff, uh, got like his cancer came back. So we, we actually had to go up four months early. So basically we got married, we had a week to pack and then Uh, actually we had our honeymoon for a week we had a week to pack and then we moved up and became youth pastors
2: oh my
0: goodness
1: totally transitioned everything we did of course we didn't know anyone except for my parents who are the senior pastors of that church but like we you know we didn't know anybody uh, you know other than that and so yeah i mean it was like this this big crazy bam everything changed in a moment and um so we've been up here now for 11 years wow and uh i'm no longer the youth pastor. I'm the generations pastor, um, which if you're wondering what that means, me too, um, still, still working on it four years in. Um, no, but I mean, basically I'm, uh, it kind of probably something that would be a little easier understood is I'm basically the executive pastor at our church. Right, right. Um, but yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's, uh, it's been, a, it's been a real journey. It's been super good and God's moving and
2: yeah. yeah
0: so now how many how many kids do you have?
1: We have three kids. Um, Amazing. We have uh, our oldest is seven. His name's Alec. Uh, Our middle child, who's just a wonderful young guy, is named Malachi. He's five. And uh, and our youngest is my only and beloved daughter, Avery.
0: Oh, man. Dude, I always... There's just something special because obviously, like, Bonnie and I, we have five boys. And it's just, like, craziness. But, like, we've always wondered what it would be like to have a daughter, man. So it's just, like... Especially when she's the, the, she's the youngest, you said?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's dude. the youngest. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, uh, not to, not to like jump right into gender roles or anything like that, right, but, right. Uh, <laughs> but you know, as, as boyish as my boys are, you know, like, I mean, it's, I remember reading, um, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was not John Bevere, but, uh, John Eldridge, he, he wrote a book called wild at heart and right. he was talking about how, you know, his boys would literally like make guns out of crackers you know like they were just like you know tell me about it (laughs) and we experience that kind of stuff but you know the honestly the 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 opposite is totally true for our daughter um you know when we ask her now like what she wants for her birthday or what she wants for you know christmas or what have you she doesn't want toys anymore she just wants dress up stuff like she wants to she wants to run around the house like this morning I mean, it's just a normal day in the Eklund household. You know, it's a day off from school and all that because of Martin Luther King Day.
2: Oh, of course. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: But Avery wanted to get in her like full on princess dress, asked her mom, you know, asked mom if, you know, if she'd curl her hair, help her do makeup so she could literally just walk around the house as a princess. You know, I mean, it's like it's one of those things where uh, there's just a lot of that kind of stuff that no one has ever really. It's not like we forced her to dress up as a princess that's sure. just she sure. is you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh yeah so it, that's been really different like realizing that there's some of that kind of stuff that is so inherent right in in you know in who you know these kids are that you know raising those two boys you know raising her is 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 a hundred percent different you know
0: oh dude totally totally well, yeah. So, man, one of the things we love to do on the podcast is we have this kind of become our tradition. It like started just as a joke at the beginning, but now it's become of like, become our staple. So we have our random question. So I'm going to ask right. you a random question. So, dude, if you had to go without uh, one of these two things for the rest of your life, what would it be? If you could only go if you had to go without football or bacon mm-hmm. watching football or bacon for the rest of your life what would it be, man? Um,
1: I honestly, I, I gotta say as much as I love bacon, I think that I would probably not eat bacon anymore. Like, wow. I know. I know. And it's, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm such a, I'm such an avid, like, I mean, I love bacon. Don't get me wrong. It's a a, (laughs) staple. It really (laughs) is a true staple of my diet, but yeah, like really anymore. Um, Football is the only thing I ever watch on TV. Yeah. Like in the off season, like I, I basically cut the cord, cut cables. I mean, like there's just nothing on at our house, you know, other than, you know, Netflix and Doc McStuffins and things that are my kids yeah. watch, you know, But
2: Whoa,
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, like, but when, you know, when I get into the actual year, like it's you know, it's on, man. I don't, I don't do Sunday naps, you know, during football season. Um, I mean, and that, that in itself, I mean, you know, for a pastor, that's a big deal, you yeah, know, like Sunday when pots you're, of
0: coffee is what you do. Oh yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so
1: yeah, definitely as, as, as crazy as it sounds, bacon would have to go.
0: Wow. Dude, mark your calendars, mark the date. Joel <laughs> Eklund said no bacon, man. Yeah. my man. goodness. Well, dude, I just want to give you some opportunity, man, just to kind of share your story and share. I know, obviously, we've kind of connected because uh, our mutual friendship with Jim Anderson. And yeah. um, and I know we our lives have both been impacted by his ministry and, and stuff. But I really just want to give an opportunity for you to share your story of just why the topic of sexuality, why God's designed for relationships, um, purity, all, all these different things, um, yeah. you know, why it's so important to you. So fire away, brother.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the easiest question would be that having experienced a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, you know, sexual brokenness myself, um, you know, having, you know, having the Lord restore those areas of my heart, you know, really became, uh, that's probably where, you know, where that message really started for me. I mean, you know, it's like, um, you know, when you, when you receive something, you want to give it, you know, you don't want to, totally. you don't want to be the person that just, you know, keeps all that inside. Um, you receive freedom. You want people to walk in it. Um, I think that probably the easiest thing though to say is that, you know, having been a youth pastor, right, you recognize that really early on, really early on, you recognize that 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 is such a huge issue. And, you know, and the thing is, I hate I hesitate to even say this generation, you know, it's like, I think a lot of times we use that terminology of, oh, this generation, that's oh, such a huge issue. It's like, I mean, realistically, you go back through, you know, the annals of history and, oh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's part of the human condition. It's something that, you know, yeah. it's just something we struggle with. And the the thing was, is that, to be honest with you, especially early on in, in youth ministry, I didn't have a great answer. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. It was really, you know, you're kind of, you're hoping that, you know, that they get just rocked at a summer camp and, you know, that's what produces purity. It's like when you don't really have a pathway, um, you don't really have a pathway for healing or you don't have a pathway for purity yeah. other than, Oh, please God, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, Like yeah. When when all you have is that the only thing that you can do is wait for a miracle. And, right. um, and the hard thing is, is that, you know, as, as much as as much as we'd love to you know we'd love to say that that everybody you know everybody gets their miracle at the same time it's like the truth is is that it doesn't always happen like we would like it to it doesn't always happen uh, um you know with the same frequency it doesn't I mean it just the truth is is that um if you don't have some sort of pathway to walk on it can be really really difficult while while you're in the waiting if that oh, does that totally. make sense
0: absolutely yeah
1: and uh, and so anyway uh, I was at a youth conference in, uh, in Walla Walla and, um, Jim's book, I think had just come out maybe the year before or something like that. So he was one of the keynote speakers and, um, and it's interesting. I actually missed his sermon. Like I didn't actually, I wasn't in the room for what he was speaking about. And, and I, I talked with him afterwards out in the, um, out in the lobby. He gave me one of his books and, um, and said, hey, man, you know, read this, give me a call, you know, and and I'll be honest with you, you know, and I've, I've told this story, you know, a dozen times. And Jim knows that I've talked to him about it quite a bit. But uh, dude, that book literally sat in like the bottom of my book bag for like six oh, months. Dude.
2: Yeah. Tell and me about
1: it. because, you know, to a certain degree, uh, I mean, every it seems like every book on purity. Is just another, you know. There might be new analogies in it. There might be, you know, yeah. whatever. But most of it is it's the same. Just stuff. a different way of saying, "Don't do it." But if you do, God can help.
2: Right, <laughs> like, right,
1: right. That's what mo- I mean. That really is what most books are, you know, are totally. are really, you know, centered around. And Jim's book was probably the first one that after I started reading it, and basically what happened was I was out, I was out camping, and I'm not, i mean, like. I'm a social outdoorsman. Like I'm the guy that like I'll go fishing as long as we can talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't go hunting with people because it turns out there are no social hunters. You can't just like <laughs> go out and talk with people in the woods. Yeah. Um but uh but like I went out camping with uh with my family and my in-laws, and you know, there's just camping has a lot of downtime, you yeah, know.
2: Right.
1: And you know, everybody was kind of out doing their own thing. And I was just sitting by, you know, the fire, pretty bored, if I'm just being really honest. And So um, basically what it was interesting, for whatever reason, I had cleaned out out of my bag every book except that one because I didn't see it in the bottom of the bag. Right. Wow. And so I'm, I'm sitting there at this campfire and I start reading this book because I have literally nothing else to do. You know, and by the time that I got through the first chapter, I realized that this was, at least for my discipleship process, this was a missing link for us
2: Yeah, yeah. that,
1: you know, that, that, that actually having a, uh, having a framework for how to minister into, um, minister into the, the, the message of sexuality without, without automatically. Cause I think a lot, especially, especially in the eighties the and nineties, the church wanted to talk about abortion a lot.
2: Right. Of course. We didn't,
1: yeah. we didn't want to talk about purity itself. Like, yeah, yeah. We, and so, you know, even even Jim's, you know, some of some of your listeners probably are familiar with the uh, with, with the uh, with the book itself. But, you know, he talks about uh, when he talked about abortion being, you know, the end of the conveyor belt of a culture that worships sex. You know, that so, for yeah. me, that for me was 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 really transformative. Like, and it it, it really reshaped how I um, how I approached uh, the, the topic of abortion, how I approached the topic of sexuality. Like, um, it, yeah, it really changed pretty much everything in a very, very short period of time. So then we started having Jim come into our church and, uh, into our discipleship program. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of been just a journey from there to where, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, um, that the message of sexuality is my primary message. Um, like, like perhaps Jim's would be,
2: right, but, right.
1: The reality is, is that in our culture today, you can't minister without having a good framework of how to answer the question of sexuality.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think I think that's that's the point right there. Right. It's just like we we've thought for a long time. And I think like even how we've preached the Bible, we've we've somehow separated this topic right. from from the gospel. And if you, yes. if you actually just don't look at it with cultural eyes and you don't look at it with like a specific kind of time period where there's been focuses within the church to like kind of narrow your mindset when you yeah. start to look at it with fresh eyes and I think like Alan Hirsch calls it like soft eyes when right. you look at the same thing with maybe a different perspective you realize oh my goodness this is all through here yeah you know and it's just like you it's just like if we were to take out one of the topics of like faith we're going to take faith we're not going to preach faith we're not going to preach right. the grace of God we are we it is almost mentioned just as much, like especially in the New Testament, we see right. Paul in in well, not just not just Paul, but there's only two letters, mm-hmm. uh, which is Philemon and Second Thessalonians, that right. don't mention sexuality. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, how could we not be talking about this? Yeah. Um, as the church and even as 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 church leaders, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, and I think you know, to a certain degree, what that reflects is it it reflects the fact that not only does the church often seem to not have an answer for sexuality, but it actually has a problem with it. You know, it's, it's Dude, the, so
0: true.
1: you know, it's the, it's the issue that m- most, you know, most leaders and, you know, and, and, and church kind of put into, you know, I hesitate to use the terminology of the closet, you know, but, but it's right. the thing that we hide because we don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Like we don't know how to get rid of the thoughts. We don't know how to get rid of the feelings. We don't know how to, you know, it's like, we we don't know how to get rid of that stuff. And so instead of, you know, instead of actually approaching the issue and saying, we've got to do something about this, we literally do nothing about it. And we preach on topics that we're more comfortable preaching about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so good, man. I, um, I know we had a, a previous conversation and we were talking a little bit about, you brought up a really good point on limited sovereignty. And I think a lot yeah. of times um, you know, you even mentioned it before, like, okay, like here's what not to do, but if you do do it, you know, God is it, God is this sure. way and he's going to yeah. save the day. Yeah. Um, maybe just jump in onto that. Like, um, cause I know you throw the question, like, what if you didn't have to make the mess? Yeah. Yeah, man. And,
1: um, you know, I think when I was, when I was growing up, um, uh, you know. Okay, so just you know, if you guys don't have any backstory, which most of you have no idea who I am, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents were uh, for most of my like early childhood. My parents were in a Christian rock band. Um, nice. They were like Petra esque. Well, actually, probably the Whoa. actually probably I now thinking about this. Actually, the best comparison I could make is that they were probably more like Christian Pat Benatar. Okay. Because <laughs> nice. my mom, my mom and dad were like the lead singer and uh, lead wow. singer slash lead uh, lead songwriters. Right, right. But my mom, if you've never if you never heard her sing, is she's just she's a nightingale, man. She's
2: really
1: she's amazing. Um, and uh, and then you know they uh, they transitioned into pastoral ministry within the local church um, as youth pastors and then later as associate pastors. Um, and around the time that I was kind of late high school years. Uh, We actually moved and they took like the first, you know, full time church as the senior pastors. But um, but within all of that, um, I I don't think that anyone ever really ever really laid out for me as a young person. And maybe it's not that they didn't. Maybe it's just that I didn't listen. Maybe uh, that's probably a kinder way to say it Um, (laughs) that 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 if you get through like. Your teen, you know, early adolescent, you know, years with your purity fully intact, that in itself is probably the greatest testimony that you could have of the faithfulness of God. And, like, and, and I mean, seriously, because I, I was under the impression, because, you know, oftentimes when, I mean, if you just think about this a different way, oftentimes when, when like speakers are brought into a church, what are they? they're people that God has rescued out of extreme bondage or extreme issues. Like you very rarely, sure. you very rarely invite someone to, to, to come. Like, I mean, honestly, Brian, like when was the last time that you had somebody come in, you know, to, to your church who their testimony is literally, I did nothing because God preserved me. Right, like, right Literally right. nothing. You know what I mean? Like,
0: it's not like very flashy.
1: Yeah. freaking is the driven snow. You know, it's like, yeah, cause yeah. it's not like to a certain degree, we're in some ways it's like we're almost uh, conditioned to like want to hear some crazy thing about how, yeah, man, I used to be a you know prostitute or something like that. And it's like, sure. and those are incredible testimonies and I love them and they're great. Absolutely. Um, and they're, they're so necessary because there's so many, there's so many of us that have lived wildly, you mm-hmm. know, wildly impure lives. Totally. But the problem is, is that if we don't also put, uh, if we don't also put a good emphasis on um, preventative purity.
2: Right. Like,
1: right. You know, in the same way that like, what would you rather do? Would you rather live a healthy lifestyle and not get cancer? Or would you rather have to go through all of the things that be, you know, that people that have cancer go through to get rid of cancer? Yeah. Most of us would say, well, preventative medicine. I mean, I would prefer to ne- just not have cancer at all. Exactly. But honestly, this is just being honest. Most of us are living lifestyles as though we're probably going to get cancer <laughs> later on. Like, <laughs> But the 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 you know the spiritual reality is true as well is that a lot yeah. of Christians a lot of Christians we don't practice preventative purity
2: right
1: uh, and you know I I I think probably it's tough to it's tough to sometimes look back on your life and say um, I wish I hadn't done something I wish I hadn't done this I wish I hadn't done that because you know the beauty of the way that God works is that when we bring Him that stuff and we you know we step into that relationship with Him. Um, he literally, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. he makes all things, you know, he turns all things for good for totally. those who love him or called according to his purpose. So it's like yeah. when I look back on my life through the filter of my, you know, of my of the finished work of Jesus in me, I realize that I would be a fundamentally different person today than, you know, than I am, if I'd never done anything, if I'd never, you know, got the pornography, that kind of stuff, if I'd never done any of that, I'd be an entirely and completely and fundamentally different person. But the truth is, is I wonder, one of my greatest regrets, I mean, you know, if you think about, you know, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you and I talked about limited sovereignty. And I guess what that ultimately means to me is that when I read romans eight twenty eight I don't read it through the lens of saying, "God ordained that all those things would happen so that I would have this testimony totally totally uh, what I read it as saying is that I made those choices i mean some some choices unfortunately were made for me
2: right other right.
1: choices I made myself um, and 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 the reality is is that. At the end of the day, though, there's really nobody to blame except me. Like, I don't look at that and say, well, I mean, I say thank God that he was able to take my, you know, take my mess and turn it into a message, you know, turn it into a tapestry. It's like, but at the end of the day, when I the, the only real regret I look back on, you know, is but what could what could God have done with a testimony that believed so deeply in his faithfulness that I never had to look for anything outside of it? Yeah, man. I didn't have to look for, you know, I didn't have to look for contentment outside of my relationship with Jesus. I didn't have to, you know, instead of instead of grabbing at things that, you know, that most normal, you know, young men grab for. What if I had to been determined to just go deeper in my relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Like what what could my testimony have, have been if instead of, you know, instead of saying that, you know, this is the testimony of God rescuing me, I could say this is the testimony of God's faithfulness being so sufficient in my life that I never felt like I needed to have him rescue me. Yeah, I mean, like, so don't get me wrong. Like, you know, somebody on there is super triggered, like we all need <laughs> rescuing, like yeah, we're, we're all sufficiently depraved, you know, yeah. like don't get <laughs> me wrong. But what I'm saying is, is that I think a lot of times, especially young people, whether they want to admit it to their youth pastor or not, Oftentimes, the the you know when you hear a testimony of somebody doing crazy crazy stuff and then God rescues them, the the initial thought can be, "Wow, I need a testimony like that." No young person, you don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, you do right.
1: Not. Honestly, that testimony. I'm just saying that testimony is a dime a dozen. There right. are because I mean, right now in our culture, because of how you know how pervasive you know the the, the sexual environment is. Yeah, like God's having to rescue most people. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But honestly, the testimony of 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 real purity, like the testimony of, you know, not not just a physical purity, because I love you know, I love what uh, what Pastor Jim says he says that purity is not just the history of your body. Like,
0: totally.
1: You know, it's like you could ultimately be like, quote unquote, physically pure as the driven snow and your mind could be an absolute graveyard.
2: Exactly. You know, yeah, absolute,
1: yeah. Like. But what if what if the testimony of God's faithfulness in your life was that he's always been enough for me? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's always been enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that your life wasn't, wasn't free from, from trial or wasn't free from temptation, but even in those things, you were, you were learning and, and, and moving towards a greater and greater uh, resolve or a greater dependency on the Lord's grace and, and discovering really. And I, and I think this is where I wanted to kind of chime in a little bit too. And it's just like really understanding the grace of God. Right. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times, and and I know like with my story and when I came to Christ, like right when I got saved out of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the partying and, and the broken relationships and stuff, it was when there's a lot of, you know, books starting to get the church that was started to normalize the struggle Mm -hmm. of, of porn addiction. Right. Right. It was, it was generating a conversation, which I think is great. Absolutely. But in a lot of ways it was, it was just normalizing it. Like, Hey, everybody does it, you know, and, and here are some great principles to like maybe do it less, Yeah. but really everybody struggles with it and God's enough. So, you know, see you later. And I just go like, man, I don't, I just don't think that's what Jesus died for. You know what I mean? I don't think that's the grace of God. I think you know, and I think really the Bible speaks to it so clearly that the grace of God is not just the mercy and the forgiving, but is also the empowerment and the sufficiency yes. to sustain us through absolutely. some crazy, the craziness of temptation and all yeah. the emotions and all the the struggles mm-hmm. that are very real to all of us, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, no, and I, I think, I think you're absolutely right about, you know, as far as the That conversation is something that we need to have, but there also has to be there's got to be kind of a combination of both grace and um and the seriousness of the message. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I actually really struggle with uh, if I can, you know, if I could throw it out there to anyone, like if there's like one sermon about like pornography addiction that I would I would honestly encourage like everyone to listen to or watch, listen to Mark Driscoll. Um, he's got a, he's got a series called real marriage and like, um, that, that series for me was mind blowing. Like, yeah, because it was one of the first, like, you know, messages, you know, series about, um, about marriage that wasn't just like, supposed to be funny. You ever notice that like 90% of like 90% of like relationship talks or whatever, like what they're trying to do is and and maybe it's because they're trying to like get the husband to open up or whatever, but like it's all super funny. And then there's a couple of like ooh that might have hurt moments, but like by and large, it's like super fluffy, right?
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark
1: Driscoll, that was not fluffy. He he did a he did a message in there and this is the one I was talking about. It's called the porn path. Right. I had never thought of it. The way that he that that he talked about it until I, I I listened to that like what it did was that I realized that for the most part um, I had been given I'd been given a a framework of a uh, of a message on sexuality that was entirely about me yeah like it was all about how I'm hurting myself
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. it's
1: all about what I'm doing to me it's all about me 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 because that's we're good at that like we're good at we're good at telling people. You want to live a better life. Yeah. You don't want to do these things. Yeah, yeah. What I'd never actually heard before was there is no such thing as free porn. Yeah. Wow. That every time that you, you know, every time that you click that, you know, that 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 window or that whatever, it's like somebody's paying for this.
2: Yeah. Totally. Somebody's
1: getting paid for this. Um, I'd never heard, you know, the statistics about, you know, about all of the uh, the the rampant, you know. Uh, drug abuse that happens within. The, I mean, all kinds of stuff that I'd never heard about because yeah, the nobody human ever,
0: trafficking all. Yeah, of that, yeah. Because totally.
1: nobody ever wanted to be honest with me about it. What they yeah. wanted to say was they wanted to say, "You'll feel better." Like you'll feel right. better, right? Because the the ex and this and this sucks, but the expectation to a certain degree is that the best way to get someone to stop doing something is if we tell them that the biggest person being hurt is you. Yeah, A lot of times our preaching style is actually, um, oh man, how do I put this? Our preaching style is catering to selfishness rather than calling people up to holiness.
0: Dude, that'll preach.
1: Like it has, you know, and and I'm not saying that no one does that, you know, like I I don't want to be the guy that says that Mark Driscoll alone out of every preacher in the United States hit it. You know, it's like, I'm sure that there's a lot of voices out there that are saying the same thing. Totally. Ultimately, what I'm saying is, is that I think within the church, we've got to find a, a, For lack of a better term, a happy medium where we're yeah, I mean, we're we're telling people here's what, here's what the problem, here's what you're gonna experience internally is. Yeah. But honestly, as a man, I can tell you, I'm far more affected, I'm far more affected towards righteousness if I'm not thinking about myself primarily. If I'm thinking about my children, totally, my wife, my family, and others. I'm much more likely to do things that might actually be good for me internally if I know that. There's somebody else that's hanging in the balance, not just me.
0: Right. Right. That's so good. And I think that that pulls on like the the, the why well, I know we were talking a little bit about design and, you know, with men and women and before. But like, right. I think that's what pulls on us so much is that we as men were made to be challenged. You know what I mean? Like we're made to be uh, to be called up to a whole nother level. Um, and really, we're called to be that those types of guys that that play hurt. You know what right. I mean? Like if we're going to use that analogy. Like we push through pain and right. you know, like I, I love the stories of like, you know, like military stories of guys who like, who sacrificed jumped over a wall to save one of their fallen soldiers. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, cause I think that that pulls on so much of who we are as men that we're made. Uh, you know, one of the things that Jim says so, so great. And we've mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast is we're made to do what's right. Not just yeah. what's easy. Absolutely. And, um, and, and we're made for real honor and honor is found in sacrifice. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you look at, you look at the, you know, things like the, you know, congressional medal, medal of honor, uh, like a lot of these, even these, I, I don't know what they give out in Canada, you know, probably uh, maple. you know,
0: like maple uh, <laughs> leaves. Yeah. Um, or or a d- <laughs> ma- Tim Horton's donut or something. Yes. Like. There you yeah. go. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but it's like a lot of the, the vast majority, if you look throughout um, if you look throughout military history, um, the vast majority of, of guys that were given the silver star or, you know, or the, the, the congressional medal of honor, these types of like the big ones, you know, that were yeah, like, yeah. Ooh, a congressional medal of honor. Um, it's not like, it's not like some guy that, you know, went onto a battlefield and, you know, killed, you know, 500 guys. It's somebody that sacrificed themselves to save someone else or multiple people. Yeah. You know, it's like even within even within our world culture, we we recognize internally that it's it's far more honorable to sacrifice than to receive right. I think that one of the um, one of the key issues that um that we've probably that's probably good in the context of our you know our our society in general, but bad in how we and how we approach the scripture and the commands of the Lord is, you know, I mean, obviously everybody on your podcast probably is aware that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. Right. Which means that, uh, you know, the scriptures were not written, you know, Paul wasn't writing to the Philippians thinking that 2000 years later, you know, somebody was going to read this in a different language in a different, you know, country, you know, that has a whole different framework. I mean, like, I, you know, try to try to put the Apostle Paul into you know into American culture today, and you know, I yeah, yeah. we'd get a very different letter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, letter, totally. You know? um, I mean, obviously, there are similarities between you know between ancient Greece and American culture, but ultimately, um, whenever whenever we read the Bible, we we have to we have to first interpret the the context of of the reader that was reading it, so that we can bring that interpretation into our own experience. Um, The lens that Paul was writing to, you know, was was what we would call ancient Near East, which had its own like framework, the way that people thought back then was significantly different than the way people think now. But what we have today is probably what we would call a democratic worldview. And when I say say democratic, I don't mean like voting. What I mean is, is that every person by and large, believes that their opinion is the most important one <laughs> that we have to be convinced in order to obey.
2: Yeah, right you know
1: it's like right. I, you know to be honest with you, I see it as a school teacher. like I so uh, part of what I do is we have a we have a Christian school um, at our at our church, and I am the ninth and tenth grade Bible teacher. And there are some students that are you know easier to work with, but I do honestly have quite a few students that I feel like I have to re-establish why they need to do their homework a lot. Like wow. And and it really is. It's like if they don't think that it's worth it for them, they don't want to do it. Now that's no knock to them. It's just it, it sort of is what it is. But yeah, yeah. a lot of the problem is is that there are there are times where it's difficult to um no, like if I had to sit down with a 14 year old boy and tell him what would happen to him if he was to start viewing pornography if he was to start being becoming sexually active those types of things he would not actually get it he wouldn't get it right like i could tell right. him what the problem is but until you experience that pain you don't get it like you right, don't understand right. what's happening inside of you you don't understand what what's been torn up within you because you know just like you know we i mean you know i made the the um uh, the example of having cancer, like, I can intellectually understand cancer equals bad. Like, yeah, cancer's right. not great. Like, I mean, I've seen it, you know, you, like, I, I've lost a few family members to cancer, like, you know, people in our church, obviously, like, cancer equals bad. But yeah. I have no context for the pain that actually is cancer. Until right, you right. have it, you don't really understand it. Right. right the problem is is that um a lot of times that's how we are with uh with sexuality is like because we can't understand really like the the explanation of why we shouldn't do it all we're all we're really hearing is well just don't do it like just don't do it yeah, just don't, right just don't do it right it's like but the problem is is that in our in our culture in the way that we think it's like we have to be convinced before we're willing to say okay yeah that sounds like a good idea. The heart that the Bible doesn't necessarily do that for you. Like this scripture doesn't necessarily tell, like, I mean, when when Paul's coming against uh, sexual immorality, I mean, like in almost every, you know, like you were talking about, nearly every, you know, book of the Bible, he doesn't actually go into, okay, here's guys, here's what's gonna happen internally. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's all the things that you're going to deal with. It's like what I'm yeah. saying is and you see this, you see it all throughout scripture. In fact, you know, the book of Le- uh, both um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there are a number of times in which in the law, God will say something and then say, I am the Lord. That's it. Yeah.
2: Right. No other totally. explanation.
1: Like.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, don't. There's you know, there's no stats yeah, or anything like, to show like how this affects people. exactly. Yeah. It's like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: three out of four people who eat shellfish die. <laughs> you know, what I mean don't. Yeah, even, yeah. You know, like, it's like, but no, there there are multiple times throughout the scripture where the only explanation yeah. that is given is, "I am the Lord." Our yeah, problem wow. is that that's not enough. Yeah, like that's church. Oh man, I'm <clears throat> about to preach. Look, that yeah, is a huge on. problem. Yeah, totally. If if any time. If any time that that obedience, uh, obedience is weighed against the the worth of Jesus, and yeah. obedience isn't a given, yeah, we have a very very bad revelation of who Jesus is.
0: Oh seriously, we, I
1: mean that 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 for me is like that. It it tells me it tells me that the most prevalent kind of of gospel out there is moralistic therapeutic deism. Like, yeah, wow. that it's more about how I can have a good life and and feel good. And, you know, we can sing some cool tunes in church and like, yeah. And 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 Jesus is, you know, his whole, you know, his whole goal is to, you know, is to make me happy. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that God wants you to be happy, but not at the expense of holiness. Yeah. And, and ultimately, what I can tell you is, is that. Being someone who actually believes in Jesus, who loves the Lord, you're going to be significantly more happy in holiness than in any other like position.
0: Dude, totally. Like no one.
1: I'm sorry. Nobody that understands their sin who also loves Jesus, yeah, is happy while operating in sin. Nobody. Like right. Like, I mean, I've I've talked to people that they didn't realize that cohabitating was bad. Like. It wasn't until they were, you know, I explained to them, hey, this is what scripture, you know, says this is, you know, here's some statistics. I mean, like that they didn't quite get it. But once they yeah. understood, they were like, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's not, so I, that's not. So I
0: can't live with my girlfriend is what you're saying? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's crazy.
1: Like, there's, yeah. you know, there's that there's there's a lot of that even within the church that, you, you know, you want to as a leader. I want to do my best to like to accept everyone like where they're at. Right. But I, I also I also have the responsibility um, to to call people up into a, into their destiny and their purpose. Like, yeah, you know,
0: absolutely. Anyway, so
1: I guess my point is, is that what? one of the things that I think is a is a real discipline that we need to get better at. I'm not saying never ask God the question, why should I obey? Yeah, Yeah. 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 I'm saying that that should not be a precursor to obedience. Like, yeah, I, I'm not saying if you don't explain it to me, I won't obey. Yeah, what I'm exactly is, what I'm going to say is, Lord, I'm going to obey and I'm going to expect that eventually I'll understand why I'm obeying. Yeah. Like, you know, there, I, I, Paul, Paul speaks to one of the churches. I can't honestly off the top of my head. Cause I didn't, I didn't write this down. It's just coming to me, but he, um, yeah. but he talks about being infants in evil, like
2: Right. You know, right. It,
1: it basically, what he's saying is is that it, like it being infants and evil, but being but being mature in your understanding in, in the things of the spirit. Right.
0: Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But basically what he's saying is he's saying he's saying that we shouldn't need a reason to obey other than the fact that God said, don't do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: I know that, that probably seems overly simplistic in, you know, in our, you know, in our in our culture today. But.
0: But but dude, if I could say this, I think, I think it's so good because, you know, like I've, I've just noticed, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I seem to look into, into Christian culture now. And it's just like, we're trying to get as close to the line of sin as we can without actually crossing over. So it's like, you know, for example, like I've, I just hear stories of like, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend that like they're, they're sleeping over at each other's house. You but, but on I the couch, and they're,
1: so, they're, on the couch so. but that's on the couch good. you know hey. right and it's, right. it's
0: so it's all good right. and it's just like but like I don't need like that's just you know and we're kind of getting into it too here the the fear of God mm-hmm. like really just like loving him so much and caring so much about what he thinks and his and really what he's made so clear that like you're not wanting to transgress or even get close to it right. you know like and and you were mentioning you know before but paul was would kind of speak to these things like have you know have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness or even even goes to say even the appearance yeah. like don't you don't even like contemplate it or, or mess around with it it's right. just so even it would look like you're living that way right it's like have nothing to do with this stuff and and we start to play around with it like oh well it's no big deal you know we're not we're not doing this and we're not doing sure. that but it's just like but like dude let's just be honest like yeah. you have your girlfriend over at your house right and you're and you're not gonna be tempted in any way, shape or form. Sure. I go, yeah, give your head a shake, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So what, what do you have to say on that? You no, know, I
1: think that the hard thing is, is that there's, it seems to be, um, you're right. I mean, I, I could quantify it a number of ways, but the reality is, is that what we want is that often we're looking for, we're looking for like, what is the, what is the least holy I can be and still be acceptable?
0: Dude. Yeah.
1: And, and and like, first of all, I you know, for for anybody listening, like I want to remind you that you have you have positional holiness and positional righteousness, which means that, you know, it's like, you know, if you were if you were thinking of like a, a freeway or something like yeah. before you came to Jesus um like you know on a freeway like a there's a there's like a big barrier in between like the the two different lanes right like
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: whether there's four lanes on one side four lanes on the other, like there's a barrier in the middle of it like you cannot get over that barrier like before you came to christ it, okay okay i'm sorry have you ever seen tommy boy uh yeah Chris I think I okay have, so yeah. there's a, there's this yeah. there's a scene in the in, in the movie where um a lot of really hilarious things happen and Chris Farley ends up on the wrong side of the freeway. Right? right. So he's like dodging cars, like left and right. And then like finally they crash. Like, that's what, that's what your life was before Jesus. Like, right, It right. didn't matter what you did or tried to do. You were going to crash. Like yeah, yeah, not, you, sure. you couldn't be righteous. You couldn't be holy. You could do good things or bad things, but ultimately none of those things resulted in holiness or righteousness on your part. Yeah. What what Jesus did is that he took your car and he put you on the other side of the freeway so that you are positionally going the right way. Yeah. But you still have the not only the opportunity like but you have the responsibility to stay in your lane. Like yeah. it's still possible while you're positionally righteous to crash. Yeah. And seriously. I mean, there's no I mean, there's nobody in the world that like gets on the freeway and is headed the right direction and says to themselves, I can just do whatever I want, like all over the roads. It's so luxurious. Oh, seriously. You know what I mean, like, no. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the truth is that, you know, that if you get too far out of your lane or if you're driving recklessly, there's a much greater possibility that you're going to crash. And yeah. so what I, I guess my point is, is that a lot of times what I what I tend to hear from, you know, from people that are that are kind of walking this, you know, that line is it. They they're mistaking positional righteousness and practical righteousness. They're mistaking yeah. the fact that yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, you are those things. But that yeah. doesn't mean that you literally. I mean, Paul addressed it. I mean, like, should we then go on sinning so that grace bound would all yeah. the more, you know grace bound all the more? Absolutely not. Totally. But that's that's how a lot of us act. Is that we look at we look at grace as permissiveness instead of yeah. looking at grace as enabling change.
0: Man, that's so good. So good. I think, you know, that that might even just be a great spot to end. But like, I just think if somebody was listening here today and they, man, they've been walking, like we've, we've been talking about, they've been walking that line. They've been looking at God's design and being like, mm, mm. I think I could kind of take it or leave but it. I, but what would you want to say to that person who who is kind of, just holding on to Jesus in one hand right. yet holding on to just sure. really their own, their own wants and desires in the other. Yeah. Hand. Um, I would tell you that Jesus is your treasure.
2: Yeah.
1: That, that more than anything, um, I, I would even tell you this, like if God did nothing more for us, than opened up an avenue for salvation and gave us one-on-one relationship with him. Like if there was no empowerment, if there was, you know, I mean, honestly, if we had to go, uh, go about miserable for lack of a better term, like it would still be enough because this life is a vapor. Like there's like, I yeah. mean, at best, at best, most of us will live 80 years. I mean, like, in fact, interestingly enough, for like the first time in, I don't know, it's like 150 or 200 years, like the life expectancy has actually gone down by, by like Crazy. six months or so. You know what I mean? Like, it's not much, but it's it's yeah, there, yeah. you know, but like, part of the issue that I, that I see is that um, people have mistaken the fear of the Lord so deeply that it's just sad. Like the, yeah. a lot of the time when we think of the fear of the Lord, it's, it's, it's dread. It's like, Oh man, I'm so afraid that God's going to you know punish me. You know, it's like, dude, I'd be real, right. be really honest with you. Um, your sin carries the weight of its own punishment. God doesn't really That's need so to gay. do anything to in this life at all, because right. what, what sin does is sin is death. I mean, like, you know, I mean if I if Corruption. I take a you know, yeah. if I take a bottle of Clorox bleach and then drink it, I can't then sue the Clorox company because they made me drink. I mean, like, it's like no, I, I <laughs> It was all
0: over it. the bottle. It's man, all the bottle. Yeah. I'm
1: like the yeah, so to a certain degree, what I would say is this the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is not dread per se. The fear of the yeah. Lord is dreading not being with him. It's, it's not that like, you know, when I think of my, my dad, like, you know, they're, and and my dad's my boss. So it's, it's, it's a little, you know, (laughs) there's some differences here, but
0: it's a unique relationship.
1: But the truth is, is that I don't, I don't worry about my dad firing me. I worry about my dad being disappointed in me. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about my position, you know, as a son, I'm not even worried about my position in our church. When I think about my dad, my primary thought when it comes to you know, when it comes to following the rules, whatever those mean, whatever your church context is, right. my issue is, I don't want in any way to harm the relationship that I have with my father for a momentary, you know, a momentary, uh, you know, euphoria or high or whatever. I want to oh, do right. everything that I can to make sure that our relationship is always the most important thing. That's part of the right. problem is that so many people their their most important quote unquote. It's not Jesus because it's Jesus and it's God. And we've just, we've gotten away from the reality that the most, the, the greatest blessing we have is that we get to be with Jesus. Yeah. You know, like I, it, it's one of those things, you know, Genesis chapter 15, I, the Lord gave me a kind of a revelation on it a while back. But like, if you read it in the NKJV, um, it says that, you know, and the Lord came to Abram and said, Abram, I'm your shield, your very great reward. Like yeah. that, that part. So first of all, I'm your protector. And then secondly, I'm the best thing that you'll ever get. Yeah, so and
2: big. then
1: Abram says to him, yeah. what good are your promises? <laughs> because, yeah. because in Abram's mind, the best thing, and and, and and to be fair, like Abram had more faith than anyone. Like, I mean, like t- crazy amounts of faith. Sure. But, like, but his response to the Lord was, but what I really wanted was a son. Fair. A lot right. of times our you know, sometimes like when the Lord is asking us, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get, bring this back in. A lot of times when the Lord asks us like to wait, you know, like, yeah. you know, don't go down that road. Don't, you know, don't look at that thing. Like, don't, you know, like I, I hate, I hate the terminology of bounce your eyes, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. like yeah. our, our thoughts, you know, the, the way that we, the way that we, uh, the way we approach it is almost like what we're saying is God, your plan for me isn't as good as what I could do for myself. And like the problem is, I mean, just just taking Abraham one more time as an example. So he accepts the fact that God has a plan for him and that he's going to give him a son. But then what does he do? He says, it can't mean miraculously, right? So what I need to do is I need to do this in my own power. And Mm -hmm. then what he produces is number one, just a horrifically, I mean, just, let's just, it's bad. Okay, guys, like bad. But more than that, like if you actually look at the line of Ishmael and the line of Isaac, they're still fighting. yeah, like totally. four thousand years later. So what yeah. Abraham did was because he took oh, because he didn't realize what was on the other side of his obedience. Yeah, he didn't get man. it. He didn't realize what was on the other side of his obedience. He did his own thing and actually screwed everything up. like, dude, I, I think the the greatest question, are the greatest, or maybe not the greatest, that was probably a little dramatic, but probably one of the best, Typical preacher. I know, right. Yeah. One of the best <laughs> answers that I could give anybody that is, that is dealing with like this, dealing with the struggle between the now and not yet. Like, what do I do yeah. when I'm struggling now, but I know that there's something out there, you know, it's like, you have no idea what's hanging in the balance. Yeah. Like you don't know, like you, you don't know that, um, That by going down the pathway that you're going down that you know that God doesn't want you on, that might actually end up resulting in divorce and separation and issues with your kids later on. Like, I mean, you don't get that because right now you have to make the choice between choosing God or choosing you Yeah. until you grab hold of the idea that God actually does have the best plan for your life. He does actually want the best for you. He does yeah. have someone and something out there for you. Until you grab hold of those things, um, it'll be difficult for you to look into the future and see the plan of God superimposed over your plan. Oh man! Like
2: that's so. I good. mean,
1: ultimately, what's hanging in the balance? Like you know, Pastor Jim. Yeah. Pastor Jim talks about this. Probably where you know, if you want that, we could we could kind of wrap up. But you know, this is where um, you know Jim talks about. You know, that, that one, this one relationship he had in college and his, and it was his roommate, you know, that had to really call him to accountability on it. Yeah. What he didn't realize was hanging in the balance was now he's, he's married with, uh, how many kids does Jim have? Eight, nine, nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Like. He's married, he's got nine children, and his whole ministry is about sexuality. Like like yeah. the Lord has called him into—I mean, he's, he's done incredible things throughout the earth. But what he didn't realize in that moment was that if he hadn't chosen to obey the Lord, he might have actually lost all of that before he ever got it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I tell you this in retirement. Like, I mean— would it be you know would it be better for you to eat out 6 times a month or would it be better to put that money into your retirement probably retirement right yeah. but in the same way we don't we don't often think about that with our with our future we're we're thinking you know immediate gratification and you know let's you know let's get what i want and we 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 very we very rarely think about what am i possibly you know aside from just the internal struggles and all the things that everyone has already told me about yeah. what is hanging in the balance in my future that I might actually be disqualifying myself from.
0: That's so good, man, man. Thank you so much for sharing this today. And if, if people wanted to connect with you and wanted to, you know, reach out, what's a great way for them to connect with you? Um,
1: you know, I'm <laughs> like every millennial out there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, if, uh, if you'd like to hear maybe a little bit more of, uh, of my, um, my kind of flavor of teaching, I do have a podcast on Apple podcasts and, um, you know, all the other places, you know, Spotify and whatnot called a uh, faith simplified. Uh,
0: yeah. It's so good.
1: But, uh, yeah, I try to, I try to update that about once a week. Although to be honest with you, um, <laughs> I haven't updated it in the entire month of December, so i got to feel bad. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, um, I'm also, uh, I'm also working on, uh, working on a book and, um, Amazing. yeah, I should, I'm, 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 I'm closing in on finishing up the first draft of it now. It should be, I think it'll be out right around March, but, um, but yeah, Amazing. Uh, check me out on Instagram, Facebook, um, check out the podcast. I'm also, I'm sorry. I'm like really like content oriented here right now. Um, yeah, but if you, uh, I'm also a worship leader. Um, we have a worship community in our church and if you'd like to hear some of our tunes, um, look up the well MSC on, uh, on Spotify or Apple music or wherever it is that you listen um, that's MSC, which is just a really fancy way of saying music because this is Christian music and there are literally 18 million, the wells out there. And we didn't realize that before we actually made the, made the name. So anyway, oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> well, that's so awesome, man. I'll be sure to put all the links, uh, in there in the, in our show notes oh. and everything, but dude, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, I love what you just, what you had to share. And I think, man, it's a lot to think about for all of us. So thanks so much, man. All right,
1: Thank you, Brian. Have a great day, man.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that, Joel. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We just so appreciate it. And, uh, I encourage you guys to check out all the links below in our show notes to, uh, the well MSC and you can follow Joel on Instagram. You know, here at the union, we just really believe that, uh, God is a God of restoration, but he is also the God of prevention and that really his design for sexuality, for relationships and marriage is the best and, uh, is really the most fulfilling at the end because he is right in the middle of his promises and his design. So yeah, we hope you really enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments feel free to leave them in uh, the comment section below until we meet next time much love talk to you later thank you so much for joining us today we hope your life was impacted greatly if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at the union for more information visit our website theunionmovement.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at union Movement.